Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And you're checking out The New Standard on August 6th, 2022, crisply at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. As always, want to welcome everybody to the show and want to give a big up and say hello to my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Big Neil? It's a good day, Lance. It's a good day. Camp is is well underway. We've seen a lot of things. Um, the, the pantry of content of stuff to talk about has been filled. We've got a lot. Let's get going. Nice. The pantry of content. You've been on a hot streak um, the last few weeks. I know that the season has started. The pantry of hot takes, the, the segues. You're just on fire, Neil. You're on fire. Mm-hmm. And if you, you want to join... It. And if you want to join the experienced Steeler fans, make sure you check out the program, 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Saturdays. We're going to do this time, I believe, up until the season starts. Then me and Neil will put our heads together and figure out what we're going to do. But we're definitely going to do a post game. We're going to figure out what day we're going to do to break down the upcoming game. But we're definitely going to do a post game for sure. So you can always catch the show on YouTube. Do a search for the new standard in Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. You can also catch the show by doing the same similar search on any podcast feed or do a search for the new standard and Lance Williams. Before we jump into the biggest take of the week, we're going to briefly talk about the Deshaun Watson. But I want to tell you that this show, the title of the show is Can the Steelers Defense Carry the Load in 2022? But before we do that, I want to send my condolences out to a giant in the sports world to uh, Bill Russell, and I want to send my condolences out to the family of Vin Scully. Um, although I'm not a Dodger fan, I grew up listening to Vin Scully like every day. I grew up listening to Chick Hearn and Vin Scully. Also, want to big, send a big shout out to my boy Kwame Love, Plant Based Planet on YouTube. If you're looking for some vegan ideas in terms of being a vegan or trying to change your diet, make sure you go to Plant Based Planet. And last but not least, want to give a big birthday shout out to my aunt Renee. She is having a birthday tomorrow. So love you, auntie, and happy birthday. Let's jump right into, since we got the business out, we're going to jump into a true or false. And we're going to try to keep it fairly short because it's not necessarily a Steeler topic, but it does have an impact on the Steelers season. And simply, Neil, I'm going to just kick it to you. True or false, does Deshaun Watson play in 2022? Where I sit right now, and I've been fairly close to all of this um, and been accurate in my predictions, I would say no. And here's the reason that I would say no. It's not simply because the NFL has the power. This is going to be ruled in favor of the NFL in their their year-long suspension request that will be um, likely, my guess, likely honored by i'm digging for the name and stalling for time i don't have it in front of just me just a former just a former da i believe or yes. attorney general for new jersey who was who was a part of um writing up the cba Crafting to begin with and yes, his work uh, within yes. the nfl i would imagine it would be a year i could see it going to 12 games the big thing the nfl is going to want out of that lance is a fine yes the problem with the whole watson thing is the fact that he's only going to pay chump change in, in terms of money lost, Robinson did not issue a fine, really, because there's no precedent. The NFL needs to set precedent that they can fine as well. And th- this is just an odd situation in which 
you you have a, a player of of massive value who was acquired by trading a generation's worth of draft picks and then given a massive contract. That contract doesn't come in in the form of base pay until next year. That's normal, by the way. Just so everybody knows, this is not the Browns or Watson trying to 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 get out of anything. That is normal. T.J. Watt had the same base salary in the first year of his extension. All big extensions would would be built like that. That's not a surprise. But if the, the the big thing, Lance, if he doesn't serve whatever the suspension is this year, whatever games he misses next year come at a significantly higher price. Six games this year, three hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars in lost pay. Next year, over fifteen million. This year, one point three five million for the whole season. Next year, over forty-four million. I don't think he wants to appeal this much. I don't think he really wants to push this all that hard. They're hoping to get something done this year because he's going to lose quite a bit of money. And I think it wouldn't surprise me if it was a year, but the fine that he's going to get is going to be upwards of $10 million at least. So I, I would look for that. But my bet, if I was betting one or the other right now, I would say, no, he's not going to play. Yeah, I'm going to say true. I think he doesn't play. Um, I, I think this is a this is a lesson to to anyone out there listening. Do not put yourself in a position where an organization can use your situation as a way to save face from a public relations standpoint. I think the NFL doesn't want, and I agree with you when we were talking earlier, I don't think the NFL wants to do this, especially in the pandemic or post-pandemic, as somebody sees, I think the NFL wants to get back to, to a regular season of football where teams are preparing like they normally prepare, so on and so forth. But this is an opportunity for the NFL to really try to resuscitate its image with women and its inconsistency in terms of how it's dealt with player discipline. And so I foresee that Deshaun Watson is going to absolutely – do the year and that's going to have a significant impact of course on the Steelers in terms of their ability to win the division but in terms of the Steelers let's jump into some of the news and notes and and the first thing I want to do because the two big things I think that occurred in terms of news was the signing of the two contracts of Deontay Johnson and Chris Boswell and you did your your Neil Stradamus last week and you correctly predicted that Chris Boswell was going to get a deal. Speak to Chris Boswell's deal. Any any surprises there? No, not at all for me. I I, it, I probably would have predicted it within maybe ten percent of, of the value that he got. Um, he's he's a top kicker in the NFL. I, I don't want this to break this into the, the standard cliche argument of who's better, him or Justin Tucker. Tucker's an all time dude. There, there's no doubt he's a Hall of Fame guy. If you put kickers in the Hall of Fame, Boswell is not very far behind him he really isn't tucker's been doing it for a decade which is insane for a kicker boswell's been doing it for half that time that's also extremely rare you don't see that much success coming out of a kicker uh, in the nfl it, it, it's such a, a mentally taxing position and, he, and you've seen uh boswell had a bad year you saw him fall apart what was that in, in 2019 he was bad yeah. he had a bad year uh he was lucky to have been brought back ironically it's probably because he got an extension uh, before that season so you hope that's not going to be the case now but boswell is an all-time type of guy i think he's the best kicker in steelers history um one of the best stories you'll ever hear 
he turned himself around. He's done very well uh, up to this point. He earned every every uh, dime of that extension. For a team that had as much cap space as it did, there's no way that they, that Boswell was not getting that level of an extension. Uh, his numbers prove it. Uh, he kicks in a in a rough stadium. He's he is noticeably ahead of uh, the visiting team's kickers, with the exception of Tucker that come in there. He, he's better than all of them. It just goes to show it's a tough environment and he's mastered it. You want to keep that guy around. And um, hey, Boswell is in the running for team MVP this year, in my opinion. If they're going to do anything, he's going to have to be pretty much uh, perfect. He, he, I don't know how many yeah. kicks he's going to be able to miss. And that's interesting. We're going to talk about that. That's going to be another true or false that I ask you at the end of the show. Chris Boswell, I think you're correctly right. I think Boswell, if I looked at the Steelers, Boswell was probably the third best Steeler after T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward. I would put Boswell third, Minka Fitzpatrick probably fourth. Let me give you guys the particulars on the contract. He signed a four-year, $16.8 million extension. And according to our friend of the program, Ian Whetstone, Boswell received a $6 million signing bonus and a $1.295 million roster bonus at signing. And if you look at his cap charges, um, his cap charge in, I didn't have his cap charges in here. But anyway, in terms of APY, I believe he's eighth in terms of place kickers in terms of APY. But I think overall, the four-year portion of the deal that was added is around the same amount, uh, I think they said, of Justin Tucker. So, uh, I think you're right. I think Chris Boswell, definitely better than Roy Jarella, uh, is, is probably <laughs> the uh, best place kicker um, because um, they got – what's his name? What's what's the other Hall of Famer the Steelers have? But they got him later in his career. So I don't think um, – Hall of Fame kicker? Yeah, place kicker. Really good place kicker. Hall of Fame kicker. You're, you're uh, probably talking about Gary Anderson. but he's Yeah, I'm thinking of, of Gary Anderson. Oh, I thought Gary Anderson was in the Hall of Fame. But no, yeah. there, there are only like two full kickers in the Hall of Fame. But I think definitely, I think he's right up there with Justin Tucker. I think Justin Tucker um, will absolutely be in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. along with Adam Vinatieri. Um, so, yeah, the Steelers, ironically, at some interesting positions, have an NFL best player. And I think at plays kicker, they have one of the best. Edge rusher, they have one of the best. And interior defensive lineman, they have one of the best. Uh, hopefully, Moving forward, they'll have a really good quarterback and a cornerback and other positions that really count towards some football. Per, let's some perhaps into... more valuable positions. Yes. It's, great to, yes. it's great to have a good kicker. You, you yes. want a good kicker uh, anytime that you need a good kicker, that's for sure. But it, it's it's really hard to stay at that level. That's why you don't see many of them getting paid uh, overall. It, it's it, you, it, There's a rapid deterioration among kickers. You just don't last very long at a real high level. And Boswell has been able to do that. He's worth every dime they gave him. Let me give you the particulars on the Deontay Johnson um, extension. He signed a four-year. Um, I think this is not correct here. There is the a lot of different details. interpretations of this. <laughs> Let's just say this. He signed an extension. And looking at the extension, the, the contract value is $36 million. Uh, what's fully guaranteed is $27 million. Right now, his APY is around, I think, 17th, and that's average per year. Um, his cap charges in 2022 are 7.6 million, 2023, 13.8 million, and in 2024, it is 18.4 million. Excuse me, 18.4 million. When I look at, in terms of APY, when I look at some of the names, 
Uh, if I when I pull the names here, Tyreek Hill is number one. Devontae Adams is two. DeAndre Hopkins is three. Cooper Cup is four. AJ Brown is five. Stephon Diggs is six. Metcalf, who just recently signed a deal, is seven. Debo All is those eight. guys except Diggs have, have recently signed. Terry McCollin, nine. DJ Moore, too. 10. Keenan Allen, 11. Mike Williams, Last 12. Last um, Amari Cooper, 13. Chris Gottman, wow. 14. Brandon Cooks, Last 15. Year. Michael Thomas, 16. When I look at Deontay Johnson and I look at the numbers in the contract, I think it's a great deal for the Steelers. Um, I think the amount of years for Deontay Johnson is really good for him. He gets another crack to take a bite at the apple um, in another few years. When I look at the players that I listed, I think Deontay Johnson is about the 20th best wide receiver in football. That number is around there uh, in terms of the players that I listed. I didn't foresee him getting a deal like a DK Metcalf or a Debo Samuel or a top-of-the-market deal. I think this is a great team-friendly deal for the Steelers. It keeps him mm. around, and I think he's arguably you know, their top one or two offensive players. What's your thought on the extension and the financials? Let me ask you rhetorically, Lance. If it's such a great deal, all around. It's so team friendly. Why did he hold out? Here's, here's what happened. Omar Khan, the first big extension that he had to negotiate. Well, first big offensive extension. He negotiated with, with Minka, though I'd say that the tracks of that were pretty much well laid before uh, getting to the actual signing of it. Omar Khan bent Deontay Johnson over and spanked his ass. And if you look at it in, in terms of the biggest value that Johnson gets from this is his $2.75 million contract for 2022 goes away. And if you add uh, what he's going to make next year, which is only like $7 million or $8 million maybe, his salary in year two is small. Uh, for what he's getting this year, which is $19 million, put those two things together, it's a total of 26 27 somewhere in there. The value of his contract this year plus next year's tag is about $4 million less than that. That is the only good part of this contract for Deontay Johnson. If if we are going to believe that the all-out, <clears throat> I wanted to be here, this is where I wanted to play, and I knew I wanted to be here long-term, all that, it, it, it's, it's really him covering uh, covering up the, the fact that he held out for a week. He was not participating in team drills. I don't care what you call that. He's holding out. He is deliberately not participating in team activities because he wants to get paid more money. The deal as structured that could have been offered to him in March. If he would have signed it in March, he didn't need to wait this long to do it. On top of that, the team has him at, they, they're throwing some money at him this year. They're not paying him anything next year for in comparison to the market. He, he's not getting anything next year. The year after that, they're completely upside down. In year three of it, he's got an $18 million cap charge, and he's only making like 13. That's a huge gap. You don't want to have that. What that gives a team the opportunity to do is either cut. trade him if they have any value or cut him. If if the, the common thought here is, well, if he does really well, they can talk to him about an extension. They already have a big cap number for him anyway. How good is he going to have to be to justify it, it, probably an 18 to, to $21 million cap charge in that third year. Keep in mind, they just drafted two wide receivers. One of them can't be praised enough 
the, the way that, that it seems that he looks. George Pickens, we've known the level of talent that he has. We know it more than anything, my opinion, there are many people who are going to believe are going to agree with me on this, but my opinion, George Pickens is a top 15 draft prospect if he doesn't tear his ACL. Don't buy into that. He got into a fight crap that has nothing to do with anything. If he was healthy, he's a top 15 prospect. Talent-wise, he's a beast. I don't know how he fell as far as he did. Maybe it is the fight thing, but ridiculously short-sighted uh, determination of, of his ability to be on a team if that's the case. The Steelers struck gold with him. They don't need Deontay in three years. So they're saying, we're going to pay you for two, and, and you're gone in year three. If Deontay feels then that he got gets some time with the team that he wants to be with, he's signing for lower than market right now. He's saving himself the, the franchise tagging next year. But by this, he's going to enter the market after having been paid $8 million the previous year. Guys like that don't just jump up to 26 or 27 million, which Correct. is where this market is going. Tyreek Hill gets it now. How much money is Jamar Chase going to make when he's up? Justin Jefferson. Those guys are going to be in the 30s easily. There's, there's no question about that. Deontay is not going to profit incredibly with another team if he gets cut by the Steelers when he's only he's only scheduled to make $13 million. That's cheap. So he's not benefiting from this nearly as much as many people think that he is. The Steelers spanked him in this deal. And I promise you, if they were open to contract talks with Deontay Johnson in February and March, this is the exact same offer they gave him then. Deontay even alluded to that. And if that's the case, he held out for absolutely nothing. He no reason it. at all. He got worked. It's a very team-friendly deal. I'm, I'm glad he's going to be there. You've heard me talk about Deontay Johnson a lot. I really like Deontay Johnson as a player. He's not DK Metcalf. He's not Debo Samuel. We know that. It, it's good to have him around, but clearly the team does not value him in a long-term way. In fact, add this. He gets a little bit more money on top of uh, his his cheap last year third-round draft pick contract plus the tag. He gets a little bit more money than that. And on top of that, the next best thing for him, he becomes the first player since Antonio Brown, the only other player than Antonio Brown since about 2005 to get a multi-year extension as a wide receiver with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they gave him two years. That's how little the Steelers want to give extensions to their receivers. You need to be an all-time dude like A.B. was if, if you want to be able to profit like that. Johnson isn't on that level. Um, he's, he's lucky to have gotten what he got. I think they're happy with that, but he's not a long-term guy for them. You know, I think also a part of that is the Steelers have confidence in their, in their ability to scout the position and they absolutely and develop should. the position and they should so if they do one thing well that's they, it if they there's only one thing receivers. they do over the last 18 years exactly is they, is they do wide receivers uh so Deontay Johnson will be a stealer for the foreseeable future for the next couple of years let me ask you a quick true or false uh in terms of Deontay Johnson I think part of what Deontay Johnson did too as well is that uh I don't know if you can bet on yourself you didn't know if he was going to get franchised or not. He was probably going to get franchised. And going into this con told him, you know, and going into this quarterback situation, you better get the money right now before your numbers dip precipitously. And that's what I want to ask you. True or false? DJ has a better year this year than last year. That's going to it, it's similar to what part of the contract do you want to look at? 
do you want to look at APY? Do you want to look at guarantees? Do you want to look at just bonus? Do you want to look at length? Lots of different ways you could look at it. Uh, better? I think Deontay Johnson is a very good NFL wide receiver. I think, I think he can make more plays than he's been given the opportunity to make. And I think that's going to be open to him a little bit more. I do not think he's going to get 165 plus targets. That's his biggest asset. As far as his negotiation goes, you gave me the ball more than anybody else and all but two players in the game. I got the ball more than them last year. You should pay me in, in what's commensurate for a, a, the, the fabled number one receiver for whatever that means. You can't argue that Deontay Johnson's the number one receiver. They throw him the ball 10 times a game. He, he's obviously a, a, a very centered part of his offense. George Pickens is a dude. He's the first dude this team has had in, in quite a while. Don't tell me Chase Claypool is a dude. He's not. Okay. He's going to get the ball. I think Pat Fryermuth is is solid enough to get a few more targets than he got last year. I think they're going to throw to Najee a little bit more coming out of the backfield. That That's more of the offense that Matt Cannon is going to uh, implement. And they're going to have more of an RPO focus, which is shorter stuff. Deontay will get the ball. I think Deontay will do very well. I don't think he's going to get as many opportunities uh, in terms of targets. I do think he's going to make bigger plays. If by the end of the year, he's at 12 and a half yards a catch and he's over 100 catches, it's a steal. It's, it's a home run and a, a fantastic way for Omar Khan to really accentuate the first year, uh, the first offseason in, in which he was you know, totally in charge of, of contracts and personnel. Um, I think in ways he will be better. I think statistically in some ways he'll drop off. This is, of course, assuming he plays the, the regular amount. Call it, you know, he played 16 games last year, so maybe 16 games again. I think 100 catches. Um, if he can get to 1,200 yards, I think that's great. I think he might score a few more times, but he's going to make more splash plays than he did previously because they're they're going to have a, a, an offense that can set up the deep ball a little bit better. Stop stealing my thunder, Neil. I'm just going to say that I think right he, here we're right here. I, I think same he, thing. I think he gets fewer targets. I think he gets fewer catches. He's going to have fewer yards, but the yards per catch or yards per reception increases by three yards, three to four yards. I think he's going to have a better year, but it's going to look different because he's not going to get the volume. I'm right now I'm doing my seasonal rewatch and I always like to do that to try to, refamiliarate myself with the team and, and see if what I think is really what I think. And when I'm watching the game, he just got fed targets. I mean, he just got fed targets. I mean, it was essentially like Ben was like, you're the only guy I trust. We're throwing it before this sticks anyway. So I'm just going to throw you all these balls where the ball travels five yards. Ben doesn't even even have a juju at that point. Keep that in mind. There was nobody else catching the ball. So (laughs) all of Juju's targets, right, like he took all of (laughs) Juju's targets. So it was probably a stat anomaly season for him in terms of volume. Maybe. I I don't think it was a bad thing. I, I think Deontay Johnson made hay out of the opportunity that he was given and, and good for him. He's a pro bowl replacement. I think that was valid. It, it's it, he didn't make enough plays because he wasn't getting deep targets. They didn't throw the ball deep. He beat Jair Alexander who I, I won't get into the technique issues that he had with that play, but he beat him deep against green Bay in yes. the, the first series. He scored a touchdown. Johnson can beat you off the line with his feet 
and with his yes. balance. He, he is a, a, an excellent technical his release receiver. Is, is great. Yeah, he's very good. He's not strong. He's not big. As, as my colleague Doug Farrar highlighted for us on, on, on Touchdown Wire uh, the other day after the contract signing, might not be the toughest guy in the league either. There might be some alligator arm issues. You, you might you might see that. He's dropped a bunch of passes, which are, are you know fundamentally bad in a lot of ways. I don't expect that to continue. He's going to put that together. He is overall a good receiver. He's not a great one. I, I don't think that's a. Yeah, I don't I mean, think, I that's think that's a bad that's, thing. I think yes, Deontay I think Johnson that's... blocked me on Twitter for saying that, but I think it's true. I mean, I think that's what now he, he has the he, contract he's... to prove it. And I know you're going to hate this, Neil, because I'm going to use the the dreaded number one ride receiver. But I'll just uh, say, premier, I'm going to say premier player at the position. I think you can clearly see when you look at Deontay Johnson that he is a great complement to a wide receiver room. He is a guy that you can line up in different places in the formation and do different things. You put him with a really good slot guy and a really classic big physical X wide receiver, you complete your wide receiver room. But if he's your Haas, then you don't really have a Haas. I mean, that's, that's kind of all we're trying to say. We're not saying he's a bad player, but you know, he's just not a Haas. And if he's a Haas, you know, maybe you don't try to draft a Haas, which is George Pickens and Claypool. So there are 20, 20 teams should have drafted George Pickens. I, I mean, so I, I, I never mean, even considered him an option for the Steelers. I, yes. I yelled about this since April, but it was like, oh, my God, he's still there. I didn't think that he was. I looked back to see who drafted him. I, I He should have been a late first round guy. I have no idea. And that, that's with the injury. No idea why he was still available to the Steelers, but. It, now, that dude's gonna that dude's gonna blow up. Now I know we're twenty five minutes into the show and we have still not gotten to the topic. But yeah, but the, we've this, had, this is the best stuff we do. Yeah, but we but but this is you know we've got some news here. We've got some yeah, news here. I'm we have people actively things. telling us they're leaving right now in the comments. All right, we'll, we'll see you. Well, well, you know hey, <laughs> they got is, they got the best. Is. They know what's coming. <laughs> so <laughs> it's terrible. Let me let me ask you this question real quick because ESPN put an article out here. Uh, about the best players ever at a position. Of course, you know, this is great stuff you do in the offseason to, you know, whatever. Let me ask you real quick, though. Um, They had Mike Webster listed as the best center overall. You agree? True or false? Mike Mike, uh, Westbrook? I think that's fair. He's a gold center? I think that's fair. Um, Let's keep in mind to, to establish what we're really talking about here. Webster being the best as in... He was better than his peers by a wider margin within his era than uh, Jason Kelsey is today, for example. Jason Kelsey is 20 times the center Mike Webster is. If you want to compare the two, an average NFL center is going to be much better than than Mike Webster today. 10 times the athlete, considerably bigger. It's evolution. You cannot compare them apples to apples. Within Webster's generation, within Webster's generation, Mick Tanglehoff, probably would be the, the the second guy you'd come up with. Um, it, Webster was noticeably better than Tinglehoff, who was also a Hall of Fame player. I, I think that said, when you have competing Hall of Fame centers and, and Webster's getting the nod more often than not, they played in the same conference and, and Webster was their guy. Um, it, overall, I, I think that's fair. I'd say Webster. Yeah, I thought, um, interestingly enough, 
I could agree with them saying Webster. I I, I thought Dermani Dawson and Dermani Dawson got some votes. See, then now there, there's another there's another well. twist to it. Because to be honest yeah. with you, talent wise, Dawson ten times better than Webster was. Yeah, I thought Dawson yeah, was a freak. Yeah, I thought Dermani Dawson was the best Steeler center on, on, on the defensive side. Um, they listed there's some interesting names. Aaron Donald was listed as the best tackle. Uh, Joe Green was runner up with five votes. See uh, that. You know, I can understand that. Ray Lewis that'll, was named. Piss some people off, but people need to truly understand how historic Aaron Donald is. I mean, my God, that guy is—he's above and beyond. Jack, we Lambert, haven't seen a guy like him. Lambert was a runner-up along with Dick Buckus and Mike Singletary at linebacker. Behind, behind that, Ray uh, Lewis, I don't Ray know Lewis. About that, but yeah, they had Ray Lewis was the goat. Deion Sanders, they had as the best corner uh, runner-up. They had Rod Woodson. He got best five cover votes. corner. Um, safety Ronnie Lott was voted number one. Um, wow, it's interesting. They had Brian Dawkins I, got four I don't, votes. I, it, uh, Troy Paul, Dawkins, the Dawkins love the Dawkins love. Don't don't get me into that. But Ronnie Lott was not a better safety than Ed Reed was. Don't don't even try to tell me it's not even close. Uh, Troy Palomalo got two votes there. Adam Benatari was named the best place kicker and runner up. Interestingly, we talked about him was Justin Tucker who received. Uh, 21 votes that's just some interesting stuff there uh, but let's jump into the main topic of the program and can the Steelers defense carry the load in 2022 and I think I wanted to broach this topic because I think as we look at this team we feel like well well the best players are on the defensive side of football and this really looks like a team that is going to have to carry the load on the defensive side of football. So I wanted to ask a couple of questions in terms of trying to address some stressors to that point. So are there some pressure points when you look at this defense as to will they be able to carry the load? And so the first question, and this was one that you brought up, Neil, and so I want to throw it to you. Do the added acquisitions of Jack and Ogunjobi and the return of Alualu and Adams fixed the team's run defense. Because watching this team play run defense during the seasonal rewatch has been absolutely depressing. All they do is blow assignments, miss tackles, and get upset. And so your your inside backers call a lot of that, and that's <laughs> we, we don't need to go too far into our our past episodes to to come up with critical comments about Devin Bush. I, I honestly feel not having not having a better anticipatory inside linebacker affected what was already a weak point as far as a, a total lack of depth on their defensive line. And that was caused by a variety of different things. Um, I, I, I hate this because I'm only saying it. I only use him as an example just because of, of his name, but when Daniel Archibong is is playing 20 snaps a game for you, you are not going to have a good defensive line. Period. You're just not. Daniel Archibong just represents the the replacement to below replacement level player and he's on the field too much. Some of that is uh, a lack of Stefan to it. Some of that is moving guys around because of the lack of um Tyson Alualu. Those are are veteran losses. Those are significant losses. You're not able to just make that up in season. And I, I don't think the Steelers anticipated to it not being around. They didn't have a chance. Montrevious Adams 
who incidentally after the Vikings game got more time and started playing very well. And that that's a reason they, they kept him around. Um, a great acquisition. Unfortunately, he probably was signed a week or two late. <laughs> he needed a little bit too much time to, to, to get ready to save them from themselves. But the slide that you're talking about, which was definitely uh, uh, epitomized in the Vikings game, which I agree with you, you're, you're, text to me was something to the effect of we haven't seen him play this bad in 20 years it was horrible that was an awful game it, rarely have we seen them play that that poorly um two of them might have been last year i'm not going to get into that but they have fixed the the depth issues along their defensive line they brought adams back who will get a full training camp full preseason and he'll be ready to go alu alu is back they've replaced the the, the absence of to it I think it's filled by a, a variety of more experienced players now and the addition of Ogunjobi. I think that's important to the rotation. It, a, a big part of their issues as well, keep in mind that Vikings game was played on the road on a Thursday night. That So Cam Hayward, who played his ass off the entire season, had no rest and went into that game against a run-heavy team and an all-pro running back. And Cam was dead. Cam, one of the worst games I've ever seen Cam play was against the Vikings. He was awful. And I, I'm going to suspect it's because he was completely drained because he had to, to save the run defense up to that point. And they, they lost it. They fell apart. I feel the signings that they've made have made them a better run defense. We're not going to see the Vikings game again. I'm sure that was heavily emphasized and, and, and is right now at St. Vincent's as they, they look to rebuild a team that used to be able to stop the run really well. They're going to get that fixed. And I think the, the additions, the guys that they brought in, DeMarvin Leal is, is another one. The guys that they've brought in are going to help with that. I think you're right. And when I'm looking at football outsiders currently, uh, well, last year, I should say, not currently, the Steelers ranked 27th in DVOA in rush defense. The worst team in the National Football League was the New York Giants. And... I think the Steelers can't be any worse. I mean, I think they gave up 5.2 yards per carry last year. And you could clearly see, I think you're right, there there were some depth issues. Um, and, and they just weren't playing talented guys at some point in time up front. I think by default, there is no way they can get worse. They will absolutely be better. I think the main thing, I, when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, do they make a big enough jump in terms of how they play run defense to really carry the load. I think I could see them jumping from 27, you know, maybe to around 10, 11, 12. And the question more so, and I'm going to throw it to you, is that enough? Does the jump in terms of the acquisitions that you named in terms of run defense, does this, does, does the, would the ranking have to jump significantly higher for them to carry the low, would it have to jump from 27 to top five? Top five last year was the L.A. Rams, Baltimore, Indianapolis, San Francisco, and New Orleans in terms of rush DVOA. So I think it can get better, and I think it will get better. I think the question overall, and I'm going to toss it to you, is how much does it have to get better for this defense to carry the load and really uh, give this team an opportunity to win and to stack wins? If we were to put it together overall, you just reviewed last season. I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe there were at least two games, uh, two losses that were largely 
due to a complete and total lack of run defense. Probably they Chargers. Have, Chargers and Vikings are what I yeah. was thinking. Somebody else chime in. Maybe there's another one that I'm, I'm forgetting about because I've blacked it out in my mind at this point. Good for me in therapy. What we saw over the last half of the Steelers season, uh, it, it, it was a unit that just couldn't stop the run. That, though, uh, it, it brought in uh, more of a focus from the, the opposition to do that. Now, what's funny to me is this is why I was convinced with all the talk with tanking, Lance. I think the Browns were tanking in week 17 when they decided to not run the ball against this team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, had, oh, yeah. they had Chubb back. They didn't yeah. run. There was they an let agreement. Injured Baker throw his way into not being on the team next year, I guess. There, there was Maybe an agreement was in plan. place. There were, yeah, there were uh, per, unnamed personnel. The Athletics cited this a couple times that legitimately thought the Browns were trying to get Baker to play poorly enough to justify them not bringing him back next year. And watching that Week 17 game, with that in mind, you'll see exactly what they're talking about. That was the dumbest game plan I've ever seen. It was horrendous. And the Steelers ran all over him. That was Najee taking over for once. He finally reached 100 yards in that game. Cleveland wasn't trying. It's because they tried to throw the ball 45 times against a team that couldn't stop water from running uphill. It, it was a, a horrendous set of, of circumstances for the Steelers. For the Browns to not have even – they barely tried to run the ball. Inexcusable. Something to me was happening within that game. I digress. Point being, the Steelers are able to raise their basement to, to that mid-level with the moves that they've made. I think that's that's their lowest level of expectation now. Middle of the pack is fine because I don't think they're going to give up 200 yards on the ground the way they did against the Vikings and the Chargers. They're going to eliminate that. How much can they flat out dominate? I'd go to this. Look at what the Steelers give up on the ground when Tyson Alualu plays for them. When he plays a full game, they don't run the ball. Teams just don't even bother really to run against them. Uh, of of the how, long, how many games has he played? 20, something like that? They, they've given up jack and shit on the ground. Alualu... <laughs> If he is back, if he plays consistently, he's he, he's going to be a catalyst for that run defense. They're going to have sub-package play to help uh, uh, get ahead on, on early downs. It, he's, he's a significant factor in raising that rank, and I think you'll see it go up. Whether it will be top five, I don't know. Volume stats contribute a bit to this, sort of with DVOA. Not really. I some areas, I think you'll see them pretty high, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're number one. It's just, you, you never know. One game really kind of throws you off in that regard because teams don't run the ball all that much. There's, there's fewer opportunities. Teams will give up 12 yards a game on the ground if nobody runs, and it's not impossible that that happens anymore. Let me kick it to DVOA, too, in terms of, and this is another question I want to ask. In 2021, the Steelers total DVA slipped the 14th from number one in 2020 in terms of ranking in terms of carrying the load for this team what does it need to be this year for that to happen and for them to compete do they have to take a jump back into the top five in terms of total dva for their overall defense i think so um a couple train cars attached to that though the reason I feel that they need to be at that level, and it's not as simple as if they're this, then they're this, but they need to play high level defense. They need to take the ball away and they need to force it at most long field goals because 
really what we've seen in camp up to this point is everything we've been talking about this whole offseason, Lance. They're not a good offensive team. They're not going to make you know huge strides in that regard. I think they'll be better because Ben Roethlisberger's corpse is, is probably not better. God, this hurts to say. He's probably not better than some variation of Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. Trudolph is is probably a better option than Ben. I like that one, Trudolph. Over the <laughs> I like that. Stupidest thing I've ever said. It, it's probably a better option overall physically than what you saw of Ben. My problem is Trudolph doesn't know what it's doing most of the time, and we we have years of examples of that. So you're going to get a few more points, I think. The games last year they could have scored 24, maybe they get 30 in in a few of those games but they're going to have 16, 17 point games too. So I, I overall, you're not going to win with that level of picket true. <laughs> you're not going to win with that level of inconsistency on the offensive side, even if your defense is lights out for 17 games. And as you and I have discussed many times, you can't do that in today's NFL. You're not going to be a dominant defensive team, 17 straight games. It's just, it, it doesn't happen anymore. When I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about the question, um football outsiders doesn't have like a turnover metric or something i don't know if they need to be top five in terms of total dva what i would say is they need to be consistently good so there doesn't need to be a high level of variance in their play and they need to be an opportunity opportunistic defense they need to take the ball away Uh, this is going to be an offense i think that needs more than the average amount of possessions to be successful. So I could see if the Steelers make a jump from 14, maybe to, you know, top five, top seven, but within that jump, they are back to 2020 numbers when it comes to turnovers. I think they're going to have to really sizzle and really cook when it comes to turnovers. Let's switch to the secondary. And this is a question that I threw out there. So let me ask you, Neil, does the added acquisitions of Levi Wallace make this secondary better? I think so. I, I, I think Wallace is a, a solid veteran player. I think he can do a lot of different things. I think more than anything, the the, the overall vibe you get with the moves that they made uh, defensively this offseason, along with where they were last year, there is – to me, a clear and obvious picture that's being painted here regarding depth. Depth is not important for just injuries. Depth is important for specialty situations. You can draw up more stuff if you have more guys to go deeper into different packages. There'll be times where you want just, you know, Hayward and Watt on the line. And you have basically beyond that nine defensive backs. When you have that kind of versatility, there are a lot of other things that you can do that an offense is not going to be prepared to see the more time that you have with, with more guys um, to understand what you're trying to do to implement more packages uh, on defense in particular, the more dangerous you're going to be as a defensive team. One screw up for the offense kind of throws everything off. Defense can, can play, you know, swarming kind of football and just go to the ball and, and try to make a play on it. Offense is all coordinated. You've got to have all 11 guys, working on the same idea of what everyone's going to do defense you're reacting to it so if the offense is not able to do what it's supposed to do because the defense is in their face doing stuff that they didn't expect them to do 
you eliminate that element of surprise. And that slows your offense down incredibly. I think that's what the Steelers defense is trying to do. I think that's why they signed what they, they retain one corner and then sign, excuse me, retain two corners and then sign a free agent corner. They don't do that often. They're looking to go really deep with veteran play at, at cornerback. I think a part of that, and they didn't keep in mind too, they didn't get a veteran safety unless you want to count Miles Killebrew, the special teams player, which I, I don't know, I guess maybe, you know, you, you could look at that, but um overall their depth, their veteran depth in their secondary is going to be a strength because all of them are going to get used. You're not going to have, you know, two cornerbacks playing 900 plus snaps. You get all of them in there playing uh, actively and consistently. You're able to do a lot more things. And I really think that's what Terrell Austin wants to do uh, in, in this season. Interestingly enough, when you look at the Steelers past DVOA, it was eighth last year, but some of that might've been due to the fact that they couldn't stop the run. So why would you take risks when you could just run it down their throats? And we were talking about Witherspoon and the retaining of Witherspoon. Um, I got this from ESPN that he allowed a passer rating of just 20.2 throws into his coverage. What happens to this defense if Witherspoon becomes the Witherspoon of old? And do you think that, with the addition of Wallace again and Witherspoon, um, can they kind of stay at that number eight DVOA and to carry the load, does it have to get even better? And for this to carry the load for this team, what would be what would it have to improve on in this this upcoming campaign? I think if, if you want to succeed defensively, 10,000 foot level. It's reducing snaps. That could mean more three and outs. That could mean more interceptions. Sacks are a byproduct of each of those things. You hit the quarterback, the ball pops up in the air, you catch it, it's an interception, it's a sack too. The value of making plays on the ball ultimately leads to fewer snaps run by an offense. Now, that's just one way of looking at it because to be honest with you, I don't think Kansas City or Cincinnati ran a whole lot of plays against Pittsburgh last year. They just scored every time they touched the ball. So it's not just that. They have to do things with uh, the opportunities that they have. The longer a defense is out on the field, the worse they tend to do. So I I think that the value of that depth is bringing in more guys to create more chaos and confusion to get the ball or have the quarterback hang on to the ball too long, not advancing down the field in, in a way that would produce points. That's the key thing overall. I, I think it, they should be able to do that. I think they have the ability to do that. These are not, you know, Pro Bowl level guys, and they don't need to be. They're not being paid like that, that's for sure. And both of them signed two-year deals. So they don't see their market as that. It, it, this is old school, I know, and there, there's plenty of, of more newer advanced analytics that would uh, differ, but I just I think it starts with your pass rush. I think your secondary is a byproduct of your pass rush. Your secondary can confuse the quarterback, but the edge rushers and your interior rush stop the quarterback. They're the ones who screw the quarterback up. Making a play on the ball in the air is great, but getting the ball off means there's a chance the opponent's going to catch it. And this is really a league that it, it, it caters almost exclusively to guys catching the ball. Look at the salaries. Look at the stats. They want completions. It's a completions league. The only way truly to disrupt that is to hit the quarterback. So the more that they can do up front 
the stronger their secondary is going to be. And that, to be honest with you, is a really long explanation of, of how the Steelers have conducted themselves among their, their the cornerback position, at least, over the last 30-some-odd years. They don't pay cornerbacks uh, market salary very often. Ike Taylor is like the only one. The receivers don't really get it either, oddly enough, but the, the cornerbacks are typically like Levi Wallace. They can be good players. We've seen Akilah Witherspoon play well. You, you hope that he continues to do that, but you're right, and that's an excellent point that, that Steelers fans don't remember. Ask any Seahawks fan or 49ers fan what they think of Akella Witherspoon. They're going to give you a completely different and exactly. fair perspective because he was pretty bad with them. Whatever happened in Pittsburgh, great. You know, let's keep in mind, though, he didn't play for the first half of the season. And there was a reason for that. So whatever happened with him, great. We're excited. I'm not 100% convinced he's their guy yet. I don't think they are either. I think that's why they signed Levi Wallace. Your explanation of defense kind of, I've always gone back and forth in terms of what I think is more important. It's tough. It's a, it's a good it, debate. It's tough. And, and, and I've gone back and forth, but, but, but I think you're right because the way the rules are, you can't play corner effectively consistently. You, you just, you just can't do it. You're at a disadvantage. Even, even Ramsey um, gets beat. Ramsey's an all time and, and, guy. And, and I was thinking of Ramsey getting beat in the Super Bowl. Um, and so it's set up for you to get beat consistently. Um, so I, I would think I think I'm going to lean towards pass rush. I mean, I think pass rush. I mean, you want to affect the quarterback. You cannot survive clean pockets. I mean, you cannot. Yep. You give Jimmy Garoppolo clean pockets. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, you know, you cannot survive <laughs> clean pockets. If you got clean pockets, you're going to give a fifth. I mean, I mean, just point blank. You could have Deion Sanders. And to be fair, clean pocket is something that is as much attributed to the quarterback as it is to the offensive line. For every yes. Joe Burrow stand out there freaking out about how good he is, he ain't there yet. That, that's Let me not ask his last strength. question in terms of carrying the load <laughs> uh, for this team. What happens if Devin Bush? Does not become Devin Bush again for this defense. God does this do, does this run defense look like last year? Can they survive with Spillane possibly playing uh, more downs? What what does this defense look like? And in terms of carrying the load, if that pressure point busts, if Bush can't be Bush, what does this defense look like in twenty twenty two? First off, I'm not even sure what Bush is. You know, it, it's. We, we didn't get great things from him when he was a rookie. We saw a couple nice things for sure, a developing player. Then he got hurt, and he's been terrible ever since then. So you hope he ascends. You hope he's able to, to play at a higher level. And for him, he's looking up at mediocre. He was maybe the worst player in the NFL to get more than 600 snaps last year. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not afraid to defend that statement. I'm not sure who the other competitors are. I'd put him up against anybody, though. He was awful. If he is awful again early, I like to think enough's enough. Put his ass on the bench, send him packing in the offseason, uh, make him play special teams. All I know is Robert Dam Spillane should not be competing with Devin Bush for playing time. And that's what's happening right now. That's not a good sign. I'm not hearing good things from Bush out of camp. People who were there, people who would know, not hearing good things. It, everything you just said, Lance, I think is something that – it needs to be considered. I, I think there is, there is a problem brewing here and it's not a good one. If he can't play though, they can't give him 
the rope that they gave him last year. They just can't. They, they got to get him off the field. Uh, if, if he's showing that he simply can't do it, it's too late. He's been given way too many opportunities. Think of it like this. The Jarvis Jones mistake. That was like playing him as much as as many snaps as he got. That was like necessity. He got over 1800 snaps in four years. That was out of necessity. They had to play him. They don't have to play Devin Bush. Okay. Spillane. Spillane can be a below average NFL linebacker too. <laughs> you know, it's fully possible for him to do that. So it, they have an option there. They brought in the veteran Jack who hopefully can play 700 plus snaps as well. And again, going back to this, they're deep enough in the secondary that they could play with two linebackers and we yeah. don't have to worry about, you know, situation or excuse me, one inside linebacker yeah. uh, with an outside guy next to him. If they need to, they, they have given themselves options. You go big nickel too. So, yeah, I, I think really they've prepared themselves to put Devin Bush in a position to succeed, but they've also prepared themselves for the possibility that he's not anything and he's not going to be a player. They can't count on him anymore. What's up, Christian? And we know Christian and Christian brought up a great point about and we talk about it all the time and, and big up to Christian. Big, Christian's a longtime listener of the program. Thanks for the support, my guy. The question in general is very hard to do for a defense, for a team, you know, for carrying the load. But I, but I think we clearly see on this team, the talent is clearly on a defensive side of football. And for this team to have any opportunity to go to the playoffs or be very competitive, the defense is going to have to play a ball for the, for the remainder, for, for large stretches of the season, you know, which is very hard to do. Interestingly enough, uh, while my, while I was doing this rewatch, and this is why I do the rewatch, something kind of hit me, and I'm and I'm gonna ask it to you um, in a true or false, uh, Neil. I'm gonna do true or false here with this. I watched the Titans game, and the Tennessee Titans game was very interesting. Uh, scrappy game, Steelers Super win game. that game. Uh, a lot of turnovers. Game. Very, very interesting game. Uh, they ran it pretty good. Uh, Derrick Henry, of course, didn't play in that game. Uh, they stopped the run pretty well in that game, ran it okay. You know, it was pretty gritty game. They, they get some turnovers in the game that really changed the game and how, how the result ended up turning out. Low-scoring game, 19-13. Uh, Tannehill was Tannehill. Is that the blueprint? True or false? The Titans 2021 oh, victory. Is this the blueprint for the 2022 season? I, I hope not. I hope not. You play that game 10 times, the Steelers win one of them. That was I'm the one we saw. It was eight. maybe, maybe the most impossible win we've ever seen them play. I, I stand by that. That made zero sense. The Titans, in fact, that, that was another bad uh, run defense game. Tennessee didn't play particularly sharp. Three of the four turnovers were flukes, and the Steelers happened to be right where the ball went. That's the only reason they win that game. That and Boswell was lights out. There, that game was, oh my God. If I, I would have been breaking things in the locker room if I was Mike Rabel. There's no reason Tennessee should have lost that game. Just none whatsoever, except as we saw in the playoffs, they're really not all that great of a team either. But they beat the Steelers that day and everything but the score. And I know that that sounds stupid, but it, it's the truth. It, it but, just. But, they were but, the better team, and the Steelers got the win. But Good you know, for them. This, but 
This is why they can't I point plan to, to win games like that. This is why I point to the game too. Not so much. Well, part of it was the turnovers, right? Part of it was the turnovers, and the Steelers. Of it. The, the Steelers only ran ran the ball for thirty five yards to Tennessee's two hundred one. The Steelers punt like uh, ten times. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get. I'm going to get to like that. seven plays a drive. It's just ridiculous. The the thing that really stood out to me though, it was the fact that they got the turnovers. The score was low, and the quarterback play was inconsistent to bad. In that game, Ben was 16 of 25. So when I looked at that Tennessee Titan game, when I was thinking of the blueprint, and I don't think it's a great blueprint, is average quarterback play from uh, what would you call him, Neil? We call him Picket, uh, Picket True. Uh, what was it, True? Trudolph. Ah, Picket Trudolph. Yes. <laughs> Fortunately, we didn't have. I don't, I don't think they would have helped that game either. Pickett Trudolph. So I think the numbers that you see in that game, 16 of 25 for 148, uh, three sacks, quarterback rating of 80, feels like Pickett Trudolph. Inconsistent running game feels like <laughs> what it could potentially be. You That's have, the golden Pickett Trudolph step. You know, anything complete a few goes passes wrong for nothing. with the defense, you could see. So when I was thinking about it, when I was thinking of the blueprint, for the Steelers in this season coming up in 2022, you know, I was thinking this particular game. And if it's this game, I think we are absolutely right. This is not the recipe for a great season. And I think Reginald Rivers said it best. I stayed going to my liquor cabinet last year. And I think that's what I think this year is going to be. It's going to be a liquor cabinet. <laughs> it's a liquor year. cabinet year. I mean, it's going to be a liquor That's cabinet it. year. I mean, it's it's it's. I'm going to hope. You know, it's going to be a liquor cabinet year, man. So I'm going to say, get light, bro. So you don't add calories around <laughs> your midsection. Um, don't That's the point. Or just get water. You know, they got all these new waters. On the <laughs> Lots market. of new waters out there. You know, make sure you get water. Make this the year Stay where you hydrated. try a different water for every Steelers loss. Yeah, like you can get hydrated, right? Like this is, you know, like Corey Hatcher said, this is the recipe for fans going to the ER. Like you need some new alkaline water, you know, 10 pH, something like that. Like you need some water. Like you'll be very hydrated and your skin will be glowing and be really clear because we're going to advise you this year to grab a water. Instead of grabbing a shot, please grab a water. Because I think both of us are what we're saying is the defense will be better. Because I keep hearing this narrative that, you know, the Steelers defense is going to be very awesome this year. And I'm like, man, I mean, they were really bad last year. I mean, the jump. We to saw be re- them play very well at times last year. Yeah, I mean, there, we there saw were them spots where collapse, they played very well. But we yes. saw them play very well. I mean, I think outside of – let me ask you this last one here before we get to uh, the our open mic before we close the show. You got Minka, you got TJ, and you got Cam Bam Hayward, right? Those are the three superstars, getting paid big money, superstar money. Outside of those three dudes, for this team to carry the load in 2022, what guy has to play – lights out football for them to be a unit that we're talking about gives them an opportunity to win every single game. I think Devin Bush, I, I, that's, that's so a, too. 
that's you need to raise your floor. You know, I think they have yes. the ceiling. I think they have the defensive player of the year. I think they, they he's going to be a 16 to 18 sack guy, most likely. We've seen Alex Highsmith come into his own. There's a lot of talent on that defensive line. That That's probably going to be their overall strength. And I think the secondary is going to be solid. The biggest issue last year was that Devin Bush and Joe Schobert might have been the worst linebacker combination in, in the last 30 years in the NFL. They were both terrible. They couldn't have gotten Schobert out of town fast enough. And he hasn't signed anywhere. He hasn't even worked out anywhere as far as I've seen. If that unit increases, if that, that raises their entire floor, they're dragging everything else down. If you get average play out of that unit, I think you will see the rest of their defense perform at a much higher level than what we saw last year. And again, we saw it play very well at times last season. It's not, it, it should be the strength of the team. That's where the money is right now. It should be the strength of the team. I think they can do that, but sometimes you have to look at your weakest link and that's without question. Uh, it, it, last season, it was their inside linebackers. Bush being the, the biggest of the two. Schobert was, was garbage too. So get rid of the two of them. Bring in Miles Jack. You got a new linebacker coach who's probably, you know, well aware of these things. He watched film for five minutes and knew what the problem was. You replace that at a, a reasonable level. And if you get a lot out of Bush, which isn't impossible, I'm not totally confident, but if you get more out of him, you're going to have a better defense overall. And the rest of the units are going to eat. You're, you're going to see them be able to tee off, do the things that they're able to do. I'm going to say just not to agree with every point you make in the show, but I think that's everybody a solid should. point. Um, you know, Neil Stradamus, everybody should agree with Neil. <laughs> everybody loves Neil. <coughs> anyway, I'm going to say Witherspoon. I'll never hear again. I'm going to say Witherspoon. I'm going to say Witherspoon. I think if Witherspoon plays to where he played last year, you know, when they talk about that really good stretch that he played last year, I think when you put a you know, you put Minka back there, you put Witherspoon back there. If you have one dominant corner back there, I think it really helps too with this particular pass rush because the pass rush has been hot. But I think overall, I think when you look at this defense, if you rewatch the season, I mean, the biggest issue was clearly their run defense. They could not stop the run whatsoever. And in last segment, the open mic segment, here we talked about the uh, backup running back position last year and this is an interesting quote from mike tomlin because we basically said the backup running back position there is no backup running back position but the backup running back position is simply Najee harris getting less carries this is what he said about benny snell and if this is not an offhanded compliment i don't know what else is he said he's done a really good job of understanding nfl conditioning <laughs> wait a minute then he said, gradually, that's gradually improved over the course of his time here. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. You if think this is about his fourth his year, isn't it? Yes. Let me, let me he finish. Says that, he says that out of frustration about second year guys. <laughs> I remember he ripped Sammy Coates for that all the time. The NFL conditioning thing. If Snell is just getting that now, God, there's only one team in the league that, that's still keeping this guy employed i mean i mean then he said you think about his expanded opportunities as an offensive player but as a coach i look at the guy taking expanded offensive reps while at the same time maintaining his special team's responsibility which is really what he's there for i mean tomlin that, that's is a master highest and best value and tomlin is a master and, and double h is right that's not slightly patronizing it is 
overtly pat patronizing. He's basically said, uh, <laughs> he's a special teams guy. Why are I, you asking me about to, to be fair? Well, no, no. To be, I, I don't think Tomlin gets off that easy with Benny Snell. He is sort of fair. He knew he was mic'd up when he was talking about how much he liked Benny Snell. When he saw him in college, I forget who he was talking to on the sidelines. He shared all that story, and he gave off the impression he really liked Benny Snell. That's why Benny Snell is even in the conversation anymore. Nobody cares about Benny Snell. I know that because nobody gave a rip about Jalen Samuels last year either, and Samuels had more NFL success than Snell has. So it's Tomlin's affinity, as shown by Tomlin, for Snell at one point has carried all of this. but. If Snell is just now, and he's got to be, what, 26 in his fourth NFL season. If he is just now reaching NFL conditioning, wow. I, I, wow. I mean, come on, man. If you're complimenting a guy's conditioning in football, that means nothing. I mean, it, NFL conditioning, though. And Tomlin, <laughs> yeah. honestly, Tomlin will, will dive into this. It's not just about running from here to there without collapsing. It, it's taking the hits. It's yes. playing at 80% speed consistently throughout practice. That's conditioning. That's right. something you build over years. It's something, what that really means, it's stuff that the, the young guys don't have. Young guys can run all day, but to take that beating and that pounding and still be able to play uh, to play hurt, to play with nagging stuff. That's what he means by conditioning. It's going to be interesting it, it, to see. Getting back to the, the patronizing point, I think that's what he's saying. He's not nursing minor injuries anymore. And maybe that helps. I don't know. He's saying he's Benny Snell, S-N-A-I-L. But it's going to be interesting to see how the Major Teague signing uh, pans out. Major Teague was a was a great athlete and a really good player at Ohio State. That's going to be Am interesting. Am I the only one who never heard of that guy? Um, Master Teague him. played really well in the bowl game. I think I forget who it was against. It might have been against Clemson. He played really well in that Clemson game. I think he, he, he it was the the bowl game, the, the, the New oh. Year's Day game. I think he played really well. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the best names. Though? No, it was McNichols. McNichols got put on IR, which is also interesting. Keep that in mind. Um, young guys like that on one year deals, if they get hurt in camp, they get cut. <clears throat> they pay them to go away. They don't put them on IR in camp. That, that's kind of a rare thing. Uh, one one name that I can remember who did that was Eli Rogers, undrafted rookie, who I don't necessarily even think he was really hurt. I think he was just, we can't keep you this year, so we're going to say that you're injured and put you on IR. We're going to pay your salary for the year. You stay here because we want you next year, and we want to make sure that you're here. That's what they did with McNichols. Now, McNichols has been around for a while. It seems like he's the, the NFL's bicycle for the amount of different teams he's played on. But they wouldn't have put him on IR when he'd been with the team for like eight days uh, unless they felt that he has long-term value for him. So uh, keep keep uh, keep that name in your memory bank. He's going to be somebody to look at next year. And with that, listeners, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Neil, you got anything you want to tease for people listening to the show for The Wire this week coming up? Um, no, because I have no idea. I told you to stop asking me that. <laughs> make me look disorganized in front of everybody. I Honestly, I have no idea what, what he's doing. There's... 34 sites is a lot of sites. I don't know what everyone's doing all the time, but I'm sure he's doing good stuff. And the Steelers play soon, don't they? Don't they have a Friday night game? 
Yeah, I, I think so. I don't pay attention to to preseason schedules, really. So you know, don't don't ask. Yeah, me. they got Seattle next Saturday. Okay, Saturday at at uh, seven p.m. Eastern. We're gonna be all over that. Should we have a live watch party? Is anybody into that? Yeah, let us play. know. I would like to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you guys want to do a live watch party, you guys uh, uh, can hit me. I think the email address is the new standard uh, pgh at gmail.com. <laughs> and, and Corey Hatcher is killing you. Neil disorganized. No way. <laughs> you guys don't. You guys don't know the half of it. Believe me. But anyway, we're going to get out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Felicia says she wants a live watch party. So if, if the first lady of the program, hey, Felicia says she wants a party, maybe we will have a party. But that means she has to invite at least twenty five people. And they all have to like and subscribe. Maybe if we can get <laughs> maybe a, a, another 15, 25 people over the next course of the week, like and subscribe. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe that'll be a carrot uh, that we'll have. But you can't watch too much preseason. I mean, after the first snap or two, it's kind of like if this. That's why you do it a lot with with other people. It's a lot more fun. Yeah. Then you can yeah. do things like make fun of Benny Snell and his yard and a half per carry in the preseason. Yeah. Jalen Samuels like performance. Yeah, and we can make we gotta, we gotta pay homage to that at some point too, Lance. Jalen Samuels, who like flat out quit last year. Do you remember that? <laughs> His performance in preseason was like the least inspired I've ever seen. He oh, he was awful. I swear they cut him at, at before the game and said just play through it because other teams are watching. And he didn't care. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Thank you again um for chiming in and listening to the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.